Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Ed Marks here. Thanks for joining us on Digital Voices. I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening. I know there's a lot of different things you can listen to. I like to listen to a lot of different podcasts as well as different music, but you've chosen this time with us and I'm very, very thankful. I'm thankful that we can do all of these without any commercials, without any sponsorships. It's just pure, pure content. And today I have one of the fabulous leaders in healthcare today with me, uh, Dr. Joseph Cascioni. He is the Chief Executive Officer of Jefferson. Joe, welcome to Digital Voices. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. Super excited. And so Jefferson, because, you know, I, I learned more about Jefferson. I thought I knew a lot about Jefferson. I actually spoke over at Jefferson not too long ago for the leadership within uh, your technology division, but it's really comprised of three separate organizations. And we're going to go into each one of those. So if, if I understand it correctly, we have Thomas Jefferson University, the academic uh, university, and uh, Jefferson Health, which is more of the provider side of things, and then Jefferson Health Plan, obviously the insurer payer side. And so those three come together. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to some questions around that and how you bring the three together to uh, be really synergistic and taking care of the people uh, and educating the people of, of your region and you know those that you serve. So in terms of, uh, we'll let you introduce yourself here in a second, but in terms of the first time we met, this is really it. I think it, uh, in terms of a visual or in terms of voice, but we both served together at Cleveland Clinic. And I've certainly watched your career since then and you've done some fabulous things. Uh, but one question, Joe, we always ask first as we get into this is what's on your playlist? Like when you're, you know, whether you're working out or downtime, whatever, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Well, you know, I, it's uh, probably an older uh, genre of music, uh, probably 70s. I'm, I've been accused of being stuck in the 70s. Uh, uh, but I do like Bob Seger. And, um, uh, I, I, you know, I spent some time up in Michigan in my last job, and that's the home of Bob Seger. And, you know, I just his uh, his style just appeals to me. I, I like against the wind. Sometimes I feel like I'm running yeah. against the wind, and uh, and uh, you know, it just there there aren't too many songs of his I don't don't appreciate. But I I do like uh, Elton John and and Billy Joel. Again, I'm 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 coming back to the '70s. There's a there's a pattern and theme here, <laughs> but it is what it is, and that's what appeals to me. Yeah, no, it's classics and uh, the Silver Bullet Band along there with Bob Seger. And he had fantastic songwriter. I think that was the magic to Bob Seger. Not only was the music good, but the lyrics were particularly told these fabulous stories. So now I'm inspired. I think uh, next time I have a chance to listen to some music. I saw him I'm gonna, a concert, I'm gonna... one of his last concerts in uh, November of 19. Oh, cool. And, you know, honestly, um, he was he was, it was a surprise gift from my wife. Um, and, uh, we saw him in Pittsburgh and he was awesome. I say it's the best concert I've been to by a lot. Wow. That, that says a lot. I'm, you know who I'm going to see speaking of the seventies, they're on their 50th anniversary tour is Kansas. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, oh yeah. Carry high, carry, so carry on highway word son, right? Yeah, yeah. And Dust in the Wind, all those classics. I can't wait. It's, it's kind of funny uh, to go, you know, because it's 50 years, but I grew up on that stuff, you know, and it's just part of who I am and part of Americana. <clears throat> in in ter- terms of your life message or, or mantra, is there some words that you live by that inspire you? Um, you know, I, I come back to, and I've said this 
to others have asked me this question. It's, it's always just don't take yourself too seriously. I think, um, I think many times in medicine, um, I was a procedural specialist and, you know, cardiologists never short on ego and, uh, probably people that might listen to this say, what do you mean? Don't take yourself. Uh, I think over time I've learned that you can't take yourself too seriously. There probably was a time in my life. I didn't listen to my, my own inner self on that and probably, probably took myself too seriously. But, uh, I think you figure out in the long run that, um, everybody's replaceable, uh, and that, uh, we're all here, uh, just for a short period of time. And, uh, we're, yeah. we're here to care for the things that are necessary, family and, and whatever our responsibilities are outside of family. And that's what we're here for. So don't take yourself too seriously because, uh, well, I always knew that my mother, who is now passed, would always pull me back to and keep me grounded. Uh, and no matter, yeah. how, how, no, no matter how big you get, I'll always be your mother and I'll pull you back down to earth. Okay, mom. Yes, dear. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good mom right there. I know within our own family, we have a couple of kids that are uh, publicly successful. And uh, but yeah, she always pulls them back down to earth, no matter you know how big their britches might get. So that's a good that's a good mom's right there. So share with us a little bit about your story, Joe, what, wherever you want to go. This kind of open ended before we jump into Jefferson, you know, personal or professional, like what what's your journey been? Sure. Like, yeah, no, you know, I, I, you know, I spent the first um, I grew up in a small town, Erie, PA, and grew up in a family of uh, four boys. I was the third of four and a uh, strong family, strong mom, Italian-American, um, and big extended family, as you can imagine. And uh, family was a lot. And um, we still get together on Christmas Eve every year. And now, um, you know, was... Um, Graduated uh, college uh, from Erie uh, in Gannon, at Gannon University, and then went to medical school at Hahnemann and uh, went into private practice when I first came out. I thought I was going to be pushing catheters most of my life, and I clicked quickly. And I had a, there was a guy from Penn named John Hirschfeld. He was a, a, a professor of cardiology and. He had met me at a national meeting and a couple of times. He goes, you're not going to be pushing catheters your whole life. You're going to be doing something different. And I kind of like passed it off. But as I reflected on that, um, he was right. I, I wanted more and uh, started progressing uh, toward uh, more leadership roles uh, and becoming. And I, you know, I think I had a knack for it. And so uh, I sort of gradually um, moved myself away from uh, clinical medicine. I stopped clinical medicine in 2017 uh, after uh, 27 years of practicing and uh, went fully into administrative duties. And I'm having a ball uh, and uh, couldn't be happier. I now have a family, a blended family of six with three children of mine and three children of my wife's. And um, it's all, all, it's a busy, busy life. So I would say that with kids and work, yeah. so it's busy, but it, it helps. It, you're never bored. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. It's a lot of kids. We're, we're a blended family of five, so I can definitely uh, relate. And I'm one of four boys as well, uh, growing up in a big family. So that's cool. Yeah. Let's talk about Jefferson. Cause it's so interesting. So Jefferson is made up of, of three 
organizations. And I want to talk first about uh, Jeff Thomas Jefferson University. For those that are unfamiliar, uh, is there one thing that you might share about Thomas Jefferson University that's maybe unique or, or just something special that you like about Well, I think first, you know, we're, we're 200 years old in 2024. And so we'll be celebrating our bicentennial. So one of the oldest um, medical schools in the country and uh, a storied university. And, and then in the last five years, uh, we merged with another uh, traditional legacy university, Philadelphia University, which was the old Philadelphia textile, um, which was a textile school. And so now Thomas Jefferson University is not only the graduate school, a medical school, and all the other things that go with that, but we have an undergraduate university on our East Falls campus, which includes things like fashion design and health design and uh, business school. And so it's more of a traditional university. It's more than 8,000 students, Thomas Jefferson University. So it's a, and we have 17 Division II athletics. Uh, Philadelphia Textile, one of the storied both men's and women's basketball programs. Um, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a real live university. It is um, uh, – and uh, it's exciting to be there and see kids uh, and the youth and how they energize you uh, when you get to meet the students, no matter what what major they're in, it's energizing. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And yeah, 200 years, that's a big deal. Of course, Philadelphia, you know, one, you know, part of the founding of our country. But, you know, 200 years, that's a big deal because, you know, a lot of times we think because our, our country's so young, you go to Europe, right? 200 years is like nothing. That's like new. Uh, but in the United States, to say something that's 200 years old, uh, that, that says quite a lot about the institution, for sure. H yeah. How is education changing in the age of digital? So have you seen a change like since the time you were in school and what you're doing today on these campuses? Yeah, I, and I'm starting to feel old. I don't know that we I wrote in the Rosetta Stone or anything like that. But, you know, it's just so different uh, education uh, today. And I think... Um, we're going to, it's going to evolve even more quickly with the advent of artificial intelligence. I think education will change. I think um, today, the things that you and I were drilled into our heads were gospel um, are being challenged all the time now. Yeah. And uh, the fact that kids don't learn their multiplication tables, like we, you and I had to spit them out over and over again. Now the teacher will say, well, they, they have a calculator. They don't really need to understand those they're, they're, they need to understand these more advanced things they can. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm more of a traditionalist. Uh, I do think, um, you know, technology is really changing uh, the face of education, technology enablement, um, remote work, remote learning, uh, all of those things. I think the part of education that I worry about with all the digital age as, as well as the, um, digital learning uh, and the fact that people can do so much online today is the socialization aspect and maturity aspect of education, um, which I think sometimes gets glossed over. Uh, you can transfer yeah. information a lot of ways today, which we couldn't do in the past. Um, I, I don't know. Have you ever gone to a college library anymore? There are no more textbooks in there. It's like a couple of tables and a bunch of computer terminals. And uh, right. you know, I remember leafing through periodicals and looking for journal articles. And so it's just yeah. changed a lot. And I think 
some of it, obviously for the better, because we're so much, kids are so much smarter than we were. Uh, but I do think that um, there's part of it that I think needs to get retrenched. Uh, some of that yeah. um, emotional intelligence piece and emotional education that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like being, like, I was 17. You know, I went to Colorado state university and, you know, I was a clueless kid and to be suddenly in this environment where there's people of diversity, uh, people different than myself. And then all the socialization that naturally happens and the awkwardness and, and then growing up and having that interaction every day there, I, that's hard to replace online for sure. So I can see the, the challenge there. Yep. So leading a university, I mean, how cool is that? Did you ever in your wildest dreams, could you train, trained in medicine and in practicing medicine. And then I know this doctor from, I think it was from Penn gave you some vision, but now you're leading a university. I mean, how trippy is that? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I would say that, um, you know, first of all, I think Jefferson, when you look at it from the outside and it's still predominantly a healthcare organization, you know, even the education is predominantly um, uh, education. So I, I, or is the educational piece, but, um, you know, I, lo I love the book "Why Elephants Can Dance." Um, uh, if you yeah. if you've ever read that book, and you took an executive from um, uh, Lou Gerstner, who was an executive from I think the beverage food and beverage industry. You know, I think he ran Frito Lay or Pepsi or one of those, and he went and ran IBM. Uh, I don't know that it's that much of a stretch uh, for me uh, moving into education, but. What it did do, uh, I think the principles are the same. You know, um, yeah. we have to do the right thing. Uh, we have to put the people first, and that you know that comes back to some of our values. So, what really attracted me was, you know, the fact that Jefferson was a storied organization. It was largely healthcare. It had a lot of great components to it, and I think it had a structure and a value system that aligned with where I, I was at, at where I was at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, let's switch to Jefferson Health then. Can you share similar question to when we talk about TJU? Is uh, something unique about Jefferson Health that people might not know, the average person might not know, or something that you're super proud of? Uh, well, it's it's quite big. Uh, it's the largest health system in Philadelphia, and I think people don't know that, especially people from outside the area. People say. Um, it is uh, Jefferson. Is that in Philadelphia? And I say, yes, the Lord. Oh, you mean it's bigger than Penn? And I, yes, it's bigger than Penn. So we are almost double the size. We have uh, uh, 17 hospitals in the system in, in South, Southeastern Pennsylvania and Southeast Jersey, or South, uh, South, Southern New Jersey. So we're uh, very large and uh, made up of um, some great organizations, uh, uh, Einstein Health came into the system a few years ago now to form Jefferson Einstein. Uh, and we have just got a, a great faculty and a great group of doctors, both employed doctors within the system, as well as our independent doctors. And uh, I, I would say the care here is uh, really outstanding. And I've been in a lot of good places. It's an outstanding place to get care and an outstanding place to get give care. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, Jefferson Health has a fabulous uh, reputation in the industry. Um, and then what about digital? And I, I know your your predecessor was a big, talked a lot about digital and things like that. How do you view digital and leverage that in healthcare? Well, listen, I, I think that at the end of the day, um, uh, 
technology and the digital age is another tool in our, another arrow in our quiver. Um, and it's a big arrow. Uh, it's going to change access. It has already changed access. It's going to change how we get people to be compliant. Um, and, uh, you know, we're using nudge technology right now to get people to get vaccines and to get their wellness visits and things like that. And we've had some great, um, great data on improving mammography screening in people by using nudge technology. Uh, we've had a 50% increase in some of our uh, uh, mammography screening because of nudge. And so to me, technology is a tool uh, and it's going to be an enabler of better care and better access. Um, and so I think um, embracing technology is where we are. Uh, technology is not the destination, though. This is still right. about care delivery. And it's still about the personal side of uh, healthcare that needs to be there. And I think, yeah, I worry again, like I said earlier, that, you know, interactive things, um, uh, interactive um, interactions between doctors and patients are far more than just a uh, transaction. And so yes. I think there is a personal touch, um, laying your hands on people. Um, it makes a difference. And, uh, and maybe I'm too traditional in that sense, but I, I do believe there's an importance to that. And I think there are lots of studies on the, the, you know, the, the healing of human touch. And so I, yes. I, I think there's a balance between technology and tradition. Yeah. I love that philosophy. Yeah. And I, I've, I've shared a story where my dad, you know, he actually adopted, uh, some virtual care. He's 89 but he always likes that visit for a number of reasons, the touch, the, the, the social aspect of it. And, and he went in there for one thing and the physician noticed something on his scalp that wouldn't have been noticed in a virtual visit, you know, which led to a cancer diagnosis. He's all good now, but uh, was quite traumatic at the time. And, but had he not been there in person, wouldn't have been discovered at that point. So yeah, you definitely need a balance. I, I like that approach. Let's, let's round out with a Jefferson Health Plan and sort of same question, you know, what's something unique or interesting about Jefferson Health Plan that, that most people might not know? Well, it's uh, the old legacy health partners plan. Uh, it's been around for a long time. Uh, it's one of the leading Medicaid providers uh, or uh, uh, entities in the state of Pennsylvania. It's one of four statewide Medicaid plans. Uh, so it is a very large plan. We've got over 350,000 Medicaid beneficiaries in the plan, and it's been around for a long time. I, and honestly, I didn't, I, I was not aware of that when I came here. You know, through my research, I found that out. But many people think because they've been rebranded Jefferson Health Plans that they're new, but they're not. And so we'll continue to expand into government payers. We're committed to our Medicaid population. We're committed to assisting uh, with uh, Medicare, and also now expanding into um, Affordable Care Act plans, the marketplace plans, ACA plans, as they call them in short. Yeah. Um, and so we'll, uh, those will, some of those will go live over the next uh, the 12 to 24 months. No, that's great. And how, you know, I, I served at a few organizations along my career where we had both uh, sort of a payer arm and provider arm. And you know, how do you, and I'm on the board of uh, Summa Health where we have both as well. Yep. And how do you balance as a CEO sort of the, sometimes, you know, when, when they're separate entities, there's, 
there's a difficult relationship between the two. You know, one seems to win at the cost of the other. Now that they're both under Jefferson, how do you balance that? Well, listen, I think the the um, <clears throat> I think that's the real key here, and I think that's the focus of our strategy is to, how do we listen? We all get we all understand the, um, the the difficulty navigating between. I got my care. Now I'm going to get this bill over here that tells me how it got paid for and the uh, what we call the EOB or the explanation of benefits. You get that. You just want to pull your hair out because you don't understand yeah. why something was covered and something wasn't. We're trying to really manage that space between the health plan and the provider arm. It makes it more customer focused and more customer centric. And so that when you get a bill or when you understand, you'll have a better understanding of why that is. We all have that frustration of, boy, I, I, I had this done and last time they paid for it, this time they didn't. And so we're really, uh, we think that a lot of the value that Jefferson can deliver is around uh, unlocking some of that uh, discrepancy and, and difficulty between a financing arm that's disconnected from the provider arm. We think the more that we can do together, like pre-authorizations, everybody's hates those, right? Yeah. Well, we got to get your CAT scan pre-authorized. In a lot of ways, we want to become a very provider-focused and friendly health plan where we get rid of the pre-authorization. If your doctor thinks you need it, you're going you're gonna to get a CAT scan. If your doctor thinks you need to be in a nursing home, you're going to be able to go to the nursing home without pre-certification. And I, so, but we, you know, we think by working together, we can solve these bureaucratic issues much more efficiently than, and, and we, we continue to work with our colleagues in the insurance industry to help break. And I think both sides right now, the independent third-party insurance companies like IBX and Highmark, and uh, they want to help break down those barriers as well. Uh, we think we're in a better position to do it when we control both arms of it. Um, but I do think the insurance industry sees this as well. Because I think consumers... You know, healthcare developed, it was uh, it was not the most, the way it was developed, you couldn't have made it any less consumer friendly than the way it developed. Um, right. It's really good care, but it's not necessarily a consumer, consumer focused industry. And I think True. that's changing, though, in fairness. Yeah. Uh, I think the industry is trying to catch up. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. Can you give us an example of, so I was kind of switched to leadership topics now that maybe transcend all of this, uh, but curious with under Jefferson, with the three organizations, is there an example where the three of them all come together? Obviously payer provider, that's pretty obvious. We just talked about that, but when you roll in the academics as well, you know, it's just, I'm just curious, like how you as a CEO sort of uh, work the three together. So we have three presidents of each of the, we have a president of each of the business units. They all report to me. We meet uh, weekly. And we, uh, with our, some of our other members, like our chief financial officer and chief strategy officer, but now each of these organizations meet. So we are looking to optimize all these verticals, uh, and make sure that they're all standing on their own, doing a really good job. Where a major p focus for us is, is this horizontal integration across these three business units. Yeah. We think that that is really important for us moving forward. And that's part of our strategy. One example done uh, between our university and the health system is the um, last year we graduated 450 or so nurses from, we hired uh, almost 350 of those nurses. Um, 
That's good. So it's a great example of how the, and now we have a shortage of respiratory therapists. Our university has started a respiratory therapy program. Um, nice. And so you know, there, there's a lot of places uh, that when you yeah. start asking, when you start telling the other side, here are my problems, they said, well, we have a solution for that. Um, yeah. and so, and, and listen, our Jefferson, uh, Thomas Jefferson University has really done well. 96, over 96% of our kids get hired into the jobs uh, that they, uh, in their major. Um, and so wow. uh, it yeah. is a professions focused university. And so it's been very successful. We, I think we're in the top 50 in the Wall Street Journal, recent Wall Street Journal, I think number 48 to be exact. Uh, in the Wall Street yeah. Journal, and that was an assessment by students, value for, and so we're very proud of all yeah. three different business units, and so that space is going to continue to be our focus. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. The vertical, the horizontal, and then yeah, it's perfect. It's it's like, hey, we have a need here, and you can help each other out. Uh, where do you draw inspiration? So you know, as a leader, you know, you have to be super creative. Obviously, you have a great team, but. Personally, like where do you draw inspiration? You, yeah, let's kind of leave it yeah. hanging there. Um, you know, <clears throat> I would say um, my parents uh, is where I draw my inspiration. Uh, my mom being the rock of the family and being always the person that uh, sort of was the glue. Uh, I see myself in that role. And then the, the hard work. My dad, uh, he raised four boys working in uh we raised four boys working in a shop, worked two jobs his whole life. Um, and how that guy worked really hard. And uh, yeah. so those two combination of, you know, sort of that steady rock of the family mom and the, the hard work uh, and that sort of hardworking um, uh, mantra that my dad left to all three of my brothers, um, all four of my, bro my three brothers and I. Uh, is I think is where I draw my inspiration from. My dad's still with us. He's 92. Um, and nice. I, I try and see him uh, periodically and take him to breakfast. And he loves playing the lottery. So, but at 92, he doesn't have a lot <laughs> else to do. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so this is a, a off script question I have for you. Uh, what's your football team? like on the NFL level, because, you know, you grew up near the Browns, but you're in Pennsylvania and you're in Philly now. Listen, you got I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell you that um, it's, uh, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. I've been a Browns fan for okay. major, majority of my life. And uh, that's a hard, that's a hard uh, fan to be. As I told my yes. son, who's a Browns fan with me, who's now 20, that it builds character to be a Browns fan. At one time, he told me, I think I have enough character, Dad. Can I switch teams? But now he – so he's uh, – uh, we're, we're Browns fans. But living in Philadelphia, you have to be an Eagles fan. And it is so much fun yeah. watching the Eagles success. And, um, you know, this Philly is a sports town. I, I have to say I go to the – I've gone to the Phillies, the 76ers, and the, the Flyers and the uh, Eagles games. And – these are some very, very, very serious fans. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I every time I visit Philly, I make sure I don't wear my Vikings yeah, jersey. Yeah, you, or you, you just you know. don't, you don't, you don't want to tempt that fate. And come on, these fans booed yeah. Santa Claus back some years ago, so they're very serious about <laughs> yeah. their athletics here. 
Um, let me ask you this. This is, yeah, let me just end with this question for you. What, what's the hardest decision you've had to make along your, your journey, personal or professional? Um, you know, um, there are a lot of things that are difficult. Um, I think anything that's affected my family was a hard decision for me. Um, that probably was my hardest decision. Uh, moving yeah. to a blended family and those things, that was probably my hardest decision. Um, uh, professionally, I'd say anytime we uh, separate from an employee is a very difficult thing because behind that name on a page um, is a person and their family. And um, yeah. it's a very uh, sallow feeling when you um, have to let somebody go and you think about that person going home to talk to their family and the disruption in their family. And so um, at times, it, you know, people feel like executives are callous to that, but I, I would say there are very few executives that don't take that to heart when they do that. So professionally, it's that um, separation from people, whether it be in a uh, individual or in a more of a group set, uh, situation. So it's all those things that sort of um, hit the person. And because uh, when we leave this world, nobody's going to remember if Joe Cachon made budget or if Jefferson made budget the years he was there or did whatever. They're going to remember, did he treat people fairly and how did he treat people with respect? And that's what I want my legacy to be, that he was fair and yeah. he treated people with respect and he did put people first. Yeah. Now, Joe, Joe you're a fantastic uh, person and, a, and a, clearly a great leader. We talked about a lot of things, everything from uh, Bob Seeger, but a lot about humility, the hard work, the steadiness, um, the importance of family, uh, all about Jefferson. Uh, what did we miss or is there anything you'd like to double down on? I'll give you the last word. Uh, no, I really think we covered it. I'd say, uh, go Eagles, yeah. go Phillies. How's that? You you can never be wrong in a Philadelphia crowd to say, go Eagles or go Phillies. You will always get uh, a round, no matter if you tell them that we're, there are no paychecks today, they're coming in a week. If you just say, go Eagles, they'll all jump up and start screaming, yes. Yeah, great, great fan base. And again, Joe, thank you for being part of uh, Digital Voices. I, I, I really enjoyed our conversation and I wish nothing but the best for you, your team and Jefferson. Thank you. And that wraps up Digital Voices. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Mark. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.